Hey everyone, Pastor Ben here. Thank you for joining us for our sermon podcast series on the kingdom of heaven is like. I wanted to stop in and let you know that we experienced some technical difficulties uh, while we were recording this sermon. What happened is my microphone batteries were dying, and so there are some moments where the audio will go out, and I didn't want you to think that it was something on your end. The problem was ours. That's on us. Um, So there are some blank moments, and eventually I finally just pick up a handheld microphone, and we don't experience any problems after that. But I hope you do enjoy this series, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. When I was a sophomore, a sophomore at Southern Adventist University, my friend Michael Schultz and I decided we're going to go play soccer downtown. There was a, a turf field that, you know, you get a team of five and play another five, and it was something that we would do often. If you've ever had friends and, you know, you're new to driving, because I was relatively new, still a few years, something you do in your immaturity is you like to race your friends. <laughs> so after we're done playing soccer, the adrenaline is high, I decide, Michael and I decide, we got to go back to school. Michael pulls up to me at a red light, and he gives me that look. And I give him that look. And without any words, we communicated to each other that, oh, I'm beating you back to school. And so the light turns green, the tires are smoking, (laughs) we're going. Me and my little 2001 Honda Civic going as I'm pushing it to the limit. And I'm going, I'm, we're on uh, I-24, I think is the one back in Chattanooga, and, and I'm driving as fast as I can. My little four-cylinder Honda Civic was going 100 miles an hour. The, <laughs> the RPMs are in like the triple digits at this point, and, and I look, and there's Michael, but I look in my rearview mirror, and I see lights. Just not, not the flashing lights yet, but I see headlights. And I think, man, you know, these tailgaters, no matter how fast you go, they're going to find you, right? And then what happens, then the flashing lights turn on, and my first thought is, this is not fair. How come Michael's, oh, there, Michael's getting pulled over too. Okay. <laughs> I pull over and, and I, you know, I realize what I'm doing. And I say, you know, you can, mind you, speed limit is 55. (laughs) I was like, you know, they can probably take my license for this. The fear starts to set in. Oh, man, I'm going to have to call my dad from jail, you know, and he's in Florida. And anyway, as you know, state troopers are usually like, you know, the real, you know, they're the ones you're scared of. And so this guy comes out combat boots, like a commando, like polo tucked into this huge belt, and I say, of course, and he's wearing sunglasses at night. Come on. And I say, well, that's it. I'm done. And I roll down my window without, <laughs> without even asking, you know, without even me saying anything. He says, what are you doing? He's yelling at me. I was like, well, uh, well uh, I'm, I'm trying to go back to school. Where do you go to school? Uh, I, I go to Southern Adventist University. And then he did something that freaked me out. He's like, oh, really? He just calmed down. (laughs) And that made me more nervous. (laughs) And, you know, he starts to ask me questions, you know, why are you driving so fast? I was racing my friend. Where are you coming from? 
Why, like, why, are you, why do you look so messed up? Why are you sweaty? I was playing soccer, you know, and, and who's that over there? Well, that's my friend Michael. He was playing soccer too. And, <laughs> and um, well, long story short, he says and does something to me that I cannot explain why he did it. He says, he looks at me, you know what? I can't write you a warning for this because I'll get in trouble. Just go. My wife hates this story. She hates this story because this has never happened to her. She gets a ticket every time. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me right now. I had been forgiven. I was 100%, 100 miles per hour in the wrong. To be forgiven is one thing. To forgive someone else when they're wrong is another thing entirely. And so the disciples, we're going to find ourselves today, we're continuing our series, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. The disciples find themselves in a conversation with Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to catch up with them in verse 23. So open your Bibles with me there this morning. In verse 23, it says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Verse 35 so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your, uh, your brother from your heart. So this servant owes, and people have tried to get together and say, you know, what is it in today's terms that this man owed? We're going to put it into perspective, all right? This is a parable, and Jesus is telling them, and, you know, he's, he's saying this number for effect, okay? They 
estimate that this sum the man owes is about $1 billion. $1 billion is the equivalent of what this man owes the king. And this was a common practice at the time. You see, the kings had these people that, kind of like a church, has its elders. It's as if I sent OJ to go do something, and then OJ racked up a debt of a billion dollars and, 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 and asked, hey, uh, sorry, I don't have that. <laughs> and so this man comes to the king knowing that he owes an unpayable debt. It's impossible to pay off. And the right thing, the right thing for the king to do would have been for him to be sold. That was the common practice of the time. You can't pay me? Then pay up another way, right? And that's what is expected. That's what is communicated to you from day one. And yet the king looks at him, and the man pleads, and the king has pity on him and says, you know what? The whole debt is forgiven. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it at all. And so I have a question for you. We're gonna, I'm going to ask a few questions today. When the, king, when the king forgives the debt, does that $1 billion that he's owed then show up in the king's account? Everything's good. Don't worry about it. I forgive you. The money shows up. That's not how it works. Not at all. That's not how it works. There's a saying when I worked at, uh, at Andrews University for a little bit, one of the deans of the dorm used to say something. He would say, the rent is due. Who's paying? The rent is due. Who is paying? Because forgiveness costs someone something every time. In this story, you and I are the servant. We are the servant. We owe an unpayable debt, $1 billion. What that debt is, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin, the cost of sin. How do we pay for that? through death. You and Jesus, let's put this in like a little story. You and Jesus are in a store, okay? You're in a store. You go ahead and you, quote unquote, purchase sin. You come up to the counter with it. You say, I want this. This is what I want. This is what I do. I want this. Person scans it. Ah, and you look at the little, like, screen where the price pops up, and instead of a dollar amount, it says, whoop, death. <laughs> I, you're searching, I, I don't have that. Um, uh, do I have to pay that right now? Oh, my goodness, what's going on? And the person says, hey, you're not leaving this store until you pay. And you say, I, I can't afford this. I can't do this. I'm not ready. I don't want to. And Jesus is looking at you the whole time. He's quiet. You're looking at Jesus. He's looking at you. You're feeling nervous, embarrassed, scared. Someone has to pay. Jesus is saying, them or me? You or me? 
death or life, punishment or forgiveness. The rent is due who's paying. And Jesus, quote unquote, pulls out his wallet. Hello, there we go. If we are the servant, then Jesus is the king. The cost of this $1 billion that's missing in this story, it doesn't get paid. It falls on the king. The king has to eat that cost. The rent is due. Who's paying? The king is in this scenario. He forgives. He accepts that he is now in the red $1 billion and chooses to move on. The cost of sin fell on the shoulders of Jesus because the wages, the cost of sin that you and I have committed is death. And Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washes it white as snow. If the kingdom of heaven is like this story, then heaven is forgiveness. To be in heaven is to be forgiven. I'm only here. When we get there, you can say in your mind, I'm only here because I was forgiven. That's it. I did not earn it. You will never raise that $1 billion. You can't do it. You try to follow the law. You try to come to church every Saturday. You try to do the right thing. You come up short by how much? A billion dollars. You can't do it. You cannot do it. In the real world, most of us here will never be billionaires. If you are, we have a building campaign. We can talk later. You will never be able to pay the wages of sin. You can't do it. Only Christ can. Only Christ did. So the servant was forgiven. Good. He leaves and what does he do? What did the story tell us? He walks out, he's hanging out, he sees somebody, hey, you owe me what is the equivalent of like $100. It's not that much, right? Over $100. I mean, sometimes you may, you know, it takes so long for somebody to pay you back, you might say, oh, I wish I could throw him in jail for this. But over $100, he finds a fellow servant, an equal, an equal, upset throws him in jail until he can pay what he owes. The thing about debt prisons is not that you went into prison and then, you know, you broke some rocks and that added up eventually to $100. You made no money while you were in prison. Somebody else had to come and pay the price for you. Okay? So, basically, if this is a servant, maybe he didn't have family around or whatever, this guy was then stuck in prison forever over $100. It's not fair. It's not right. Especially given the context of what just happened. 
You were forgiven a billion dollars and you're upset over a hundred. It doesn't compute. This is wrong what he does. Why? Why? Sure, the slave owes him. We, we, we understand that. And in your life, there are people who have wronged you. As I say that, I know things are flashing in your mind right now. People who have done you wrong. People who owe you something. They've hurt you. You want that pain taken away. They owe you for the pain they caused you. And you might say, okay, I see where you're going. I should forgive them. But you don't understand, Pastor. They really did wrong to me. And if I just go around. Okay, all right, we're back. <laughs> um, so you might be saying to me, right, as I'm telling you this, Pastor, I see where you're going. I see that you're going to ask me to forgive this person who did wrong to me. But if I just go around forgiving everyone for everything they ever did to me, then what are we communicating? We are enabling. We are allowing them to continue to disrespect us, Pastor. And that's lawlessness. You just want me to just be a stepping, a, a, a stepping stone. You want me to be abused and hurt. You are accountable for your actions. They are accountable for their actions. What's done in the dark comes to light. There's going to come a time where they're going to have to give an account for what they have done, same as you. By forgiving them, by forgiving them, you help them because you give an example of the love of Christ. And what we can pray happens is that they being forgiven causes forgiveness to flow out of them that they would understand they would change. They would not live the same life that they were living before. It's not lawlessness. And it's not something that the Bible is, uh, it's not something crazy that the Bible is asking us to do. If you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, it says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Because you've been forgiven, you should forgive. Matthew 10, verse 8. Sorry, I'm making you go all over. Matthew 10, verse 8 says this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received without paying. Give without pay. As has been done to you, you should do as well. And Christ paid a price so grand you cannot imagine. Because when you are forgiven, what should happen is that it should change you. It should. In the kingdom of heaven, we're not going to practice lawlessness, right? Because if we're saying, oh, the kingdom of heaven is just everybody's forgiven, then, you know, people are going to be walking around doing crazy stuff. It's not 
that you can get away with anything and be forgiven in heaven. It's that there are a group of people, the citizens of heaven, you and I, walk around in heaven doing good to one another because we live life forgived, forgiven. Those in the kingdom, we serve a king who has forgiven far more than anyone else could have ever done to us. And when we realize how much he paid the price for you and for me, it puts a lot of things into perspective. You cannot accept forgiveness if you don't think you did anything wrong. So what I mean by that is, uh, Susan likes the color purple. That's her favorite color. Susan, if I looked at you and I just came up to you one Sabbath and I said, it's okay, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I start to walk away and you grab me. No, 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 for what? Well, you know, the purple. It's okay, I forgive you. It's all right. It's all right, I forgive you. Well, there's nothing wrong with wearing purple. So you would look at me, right? And you'd look at me, you know, a little sideways. And what's wrong with this guy today? You know, I, you're not going to accept it. You're going to say, oh, okay, whatever. And you're going to leave. You're going to do your own thing because you didn't do anything wrong. You cannot accept forgiveness if you did nothing wrong. Or you cannot accept forgiveness if you think that you are owed that forgiveness. If you think that you earned what a person is telling you. It doesn't change. You don't change when you think that you've earned your salvation, that you've earned what you're getting. It doesn't change you at all. When we recognize that we are in the wrong, when you know you cannot afford the cost, forgiveness changes you. Forgiveness changes you. And it ends like this. This is a verse that, you know, when you read it, sometimes, ah, it doesn't sit right with me. It seems so harsh. Verse 35, we'll read it again. So also, if you can't forgive, right? That's what Christ is saying. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And you say, is that a threat? Oh, man. That seems kind of harsh. Christ, oh my goodness, you're going to cast us out. That doesn't feel very loving. But this verse ties in, we're going to jump back to the very beginning in verse 21. This verse is tied to the first two verses and the verses before that. In verse 21, to give some context why this parable is even being taught, it says this, verse 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord... How often will my brother, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, or your version might say 70 times seven. In rabbinic tradition, what was a commonly accepted practice was that if you, for example, wronged me, I forgive you one time, we're good. You do it again, I forgive you a second time, we're good. 
a third time, we're okay. The fourth time, you do not receive forgiveness from me. We are cut off. I forget about you. We are no longer joined together at all. That was a common practice. That's what was practiced. And so, the verses before this are a very famous grouping of verses in which, you know, the Matthew 18 model, when somebody wrongs you, what do you do? Oh, well, you approach them by yourself. If they deny it, then you bring somebody else. And after that, if they still deny you bring the whole church together. If they still deny it, well, you know, there are consequences to your actions. But if they are, are, uh, if they're sad about it, if they're upset that they did it, if they have repentance, you forgive them. Common practice was three times. Peter, walking with Christ, thinking that, you know, I'm practicing this grace thing. Lord, we should do it seven times, right? We're just four more than what is, what is asked of us. And Jesus looks at him, no, 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 no. Seventy-seven times or 70 times seven, right? It doesn't actually mean 77 times you forgive them or 490. What this is communicating, this was, a, this was a saying. This was a common saying back then. It basically meant you do it forever, forever and ever. Whoa, hold on, God. So you're saying if I reach out to this brother of mine because he's wronged me and he repents, even like after 25 times, I'm still supposed to forgive him? And the response is, okay, you're not getting it. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who forgives this debt. A billion dollars. It's done. If you can't be like the king who is willing to eat the cost, then you can't be here. Because... And their minds are being blown at this moment. Like, hold on, you're asking something super crazy, God. Because, God, that's unfair. God, how long will we let them get away with what they're doing to us? If they're truly repentant, you must forgive. But, God, how long? Forever. God, what? God is saying, Jesus is saying, if you can't forgive, if you cannot experience, if you have not experienced forgiveness and then are able to pour it out onto others, you can't be here. Verse 35 will happen to you. Because if we put a limit on forgiveness, right? If we put a limit on forgiveness, heaven, the kingdom of heaven will feel unfair. It will feel unfair to you. You wouldn't be happy. Because what will happen, you'll walk around heaven and eventually you'll run into somebody who you knew wronged you on earth, and you'll say, hold on. I know who you are. You can't be here. The people you think shouldn't be there might be there. And if your own being forgiven has not changed you, the kingdom of heaven can't be for you. You would be miserable. Hebrews 8, 12 says, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. If the God 
who died on a tree for you, who paid the price for you, can forgive and remember your sins no more. That forgiveness should inform how you interact with the world. I tell you what, I absolutely never sped in Chattanooga again. Never again. To this day, when Raquel and I moved here to Gainesville, you have to pass through Chattanooga. I made sure I was going 55 miles an hour. Because I realized what I was forgiven from. The kingdom of heaven is merciful. The kingdom of heaven is forgiving. The citizens of heaven, or the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, are forgiven, and the citizens of heaven forgive one another. My question for you this morning is, are you a citizen of heaven? Let's bow our heads. Lord, we ask for extra forgiveness this morning, God. OJ prayed earlier, there are times where we are actively going against you. God, forgive us. You've paid the price. Lord, may that forgiveness now influence our lives to the point of forgiving others. God, we pray your kingdom return soon. God, we pray that your love would be the thing that guides us, that, that molds us, that teaches us.